0: Want your boss to put some real action behind the rhetoric when they talk about making your workplace more inclusive? Find out how to hold their feet to the fire to demand diversity on the Diversity Dude Podcast.
1: I had kind of been seeing tweets about it as I was scrolling through my Twitter timeline. An effort to ban Toni Morrison's book, Beloved, And it being linked to some kind of fight over in a Virginia governor's race and um, how it doesn't really protect kids. It, It tries to sanitize them. I couldn't make heads or tails of all the drama. So I said, let me talk to Philip Bump. He is with The Washington Post. He has a handle on this. He has written about it. Philip, what in the hell is going on? (laughs)
0: That's always a good question Um, So what's going on in this particular case? is that there's a Virginia gubernatorial race uh, coming up on Tuesday. Uh, The Republican in the race, Glenn Youngkin, released an ad last week uh, which featured a woman who was a mother, and she was talking about how she had thought that her son was given a book that had very uh, alarming content, and she had fought for a law that would make it so that she would have to sign off on her her kid reading that book, uh, but that the Democrat in the race, Terry McAuliffe, had vetoed that bill. And so if you actually go back and look at it, this was an incident that occurred in 2013, in which this woman's son, who was then a senior in high school, uh, actually had been a senior in high school, had been assigned to read *Beloved* for an uh, advanced placement English class. Uh, which is, you know, he was 17 or 18 years old. This is not like a little kid uh, who was assigned some, you know, some some trashy book. This is, you know, a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel being assigned in an advanced placement English class. Uh, but that, you know, she had fought for this. Having a thing where parents would have to sign off on, on kids reading books like that, apparently even in AP classes.
1: Okay, and then let's also the say it's from 2013. It's from, it's 2021 now. That's from 2013. That's right. Okay, okay.
0: That's right, <laughs> right, because Terry McAuliffe, who was governor then, had vetoed the legislation mm-hmm. and hit him because obviously we've seen over the course of this year all these debates. Uh, you know, around what people like to call a critical race theory, which usually isn't critical race theory, uh, but basically questioning the role of discussions of sensitive topics, particularly centered on race, which obviously beloved is, uh, you know, and they were sort of carrying forward that same theme uh, into this gubernatorial race.
1: Hmm. And so I, I just I, I understand how how it popped up, but how did it morph into this? Let's just ban beloved and, and get this book out of schools from this particular race in this particular state um, with this particular ad.
0: Well, the the ad itself isn't specifically calling for either banning books or you know or beloved in particular it basically is just saying so there's because there has been this big push where uh you know some parents were getting frustrated at school board meetings and rate we media started to amplify that uh because there was this big fight between you know whether parents have a right to go in and basically yell at school boards and mccullough mm-hmm. uh the, again the democrat in the virginia race said well i don't think that parents should be telling teachers how to teach and so a bunch of parents got mad at that Again, you know, with some prodding from folks like Fox News and so on and so forth. And so Youngkin saw this as an opportunity to reintroduce this question that had come up in 2013. So it's not as though Youngkin is out there saying, hey, we got to ban Beloved. But he is using this argument, which was like essentially keeping teachers from being able to say, hey, we're going to – You know, cause the law in 2013 was like you either have to if, – if, if the parent doesn't want the kid to read from that book, then you have to provide some other – uh, you know, curriculum material, and it's just like mm-hmm. there's no other curriculum material which you know is is like beloved. It's just not. There's nothing out there which you can have a kid be part of a conversation if they don't read it. So it's essentially like saying you can't actually use this publication. So so you know, there's a lot of there, there's some nuance here to this, but but that's that, that's the genesis.
1: And so, um, you know, where where does it go from here? Um, it, it just seems like there's a lot of smoke and mirrors. There's a lot of um, drama. You know, it, it's not like we can't um, we want to erase slavery. Um, we can't um, change history. Um, this is part of the fabric of American culture. And, you know, teachers have to teach what happened um, you know if, if we don't educate people about history it's going to happen again it'll repeat itself and you know I'm, I'm just so flabbergasted as a parent of four children um, who are um, you know I'm very hands on with their education that we want to um, you know sanitize um, the education uh, you know and, and, and not educate them about certain aspects of you know in, in this country but based on politics
0: yeah, I mean, a lot of this is obviously downstream from uh, the Black Lives Matter movement in, mm-hmm. you know how that started in 2014 really grew in 2015. Uh, and that really drew new attention for white Americans in particular on this idea that there was something about American history which was being underrepresented and being reflected more broadly in systemic problems in the country. And there were a lot of people who didn't want to hear it and still don't want to hear it. And so they, there was this ginned-up uh, uh, idea earlier this spring about how critical race theory, which obviously is this academic regimen that exists at the university level, how that was being used to sort of teach kids, you know, essentially the claim was it was being used to teach kids, white kids, that they are necessarily oppressors, and, you know, that every white person's racist, and yada, 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 which is not at all what CRT says. Obviously, these are not things that are being taught. You know, maybe there's some, like, weird lesson plan that, you know, pops up in Speaker Kansas or something that they could point to and say, ha Ah, here's the thing, uh, but this is this is not a common problem. You're absolutely right. The United States of America obviously needs to instruct children on here is what our history is, and here is why this particular thing that happened in America is toxic, uh, and you know how it shaped America in a lot of ways uh, moving forward. Uh, but there are a lot of people who see that as being an on white people, and so they they don't want that to happen.
1: We are talking to Philip Bump. He is a correspondent with The Washington Post based in New York. Before joining The Post in 2014, uh, he led politics coverage for the Atlantic Wire. Um, You know, I want to take a quick commercial break. But but when we come back, you know, I I really want to talk about um, what happens when we do um, try and sanitize history. I, for one. 49 year old African-American woman grew up raised in Texas, went to Texas public school, graduated from college at uh, University of Houston and did not find out about the Tulsa race massacre until I had gotten my degree from college. How could that possibly happen? We'll talk about that next if you're like me family is the most important thing in your life but talking about finances with your family can be a challenge this is a photo of me my mom my grandmother and my great-grandmother every lesson i learned about putting money away for a rainy day i learned from them That's why I'm moderating an AARP panel on Tuesday, November 9th at 6.30 to talk about saving money for retirement no matter what stage you're in. So whether you're Gen Z, a millennial, Gen X, or a boomer, join me on November 9th. We'll have a panel of common folks like you and me. We'll work together so we can find solutions. To sign up for this free event, log on to aarp.org backslash mnevents. This event is sponsored by AARP Minnesota, Black Women's Wealth Alliance, Bridge Makers, and Youth Prize. You know, I was saying before we took a quick break that I was probably 27 or 28 um, when I met some friends from Oklahoma. And they told me about the Tulsa Race Massacre, and it was the first time I had heard of it it was the first time that i knew anything about it and i had to go about doing some research and and finding some details and you know actually took a trip to tulsa with them which is where they're from and they graduated from langston university a historical um black college in oklahoma and you know they they not they didn't just learn it they lived it and i'm thinking how do we not have this in textbooks next door in Texas and, and and then I you know shared the information with my dad and asked him if he had learned about it in school and he was like this is the first time I'm hearing about it and, and you know when when President Trump wanted to uh, have a rally in Tulsa on Juneteenth right. um, you know so many more Americans found out about it for the first time and you would think that we would want more education about our history learn more about people who are different or who don't look like us and, and here we are Whitewashing and trying to sanitize, you know, what happened in this nation's history.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we still do this with the Confederacy, right? I mean, we still have these conversations now. There's, you know, the conversation just recently about whether or not we should remove the statue of Robert E. Lee from Richmond, Virginia. And they, you know, that there there are people out there like, oh, well, he was a great general. But like, no. I mean, he he was the leader of a group of people who was trying to keep, a, you know, a portion of America separate so they could keep slaves. I mean, it's it's insane like that that there are people who have gone so long that there's been so much effort put into. to trying to to reshape these horrifying events of American history as things which are, you know, either be more nuanced than they actually are or or should be presented in a way that, uh, you know, they obviously shouldn't be presented. Uh, But, you know, this is something that has been going on for decades. I mean, obviously, the, the effort to sort of reshape what the Confederacy is about is is a century old. I mean, they, they, they started doing that 50 years after the Confederacy was over. They tried to figure, you know, a way to talk about it. And so you have events, you know, people don't understand the scale of lynching that occurred in the South and, you know, even outside of the South. Uh, you know, 100 years ago, people don't understand how there was this resurgence of the, of the Klan that occurred about 100 years. I and mean, there are all these things which people just don't know, because what we hear is, oh, well, there were, you know, black and white bathrooms in the South in the 1960s. And then Martin Luther King fixed it. Right. Like that's the conversation about about race that Americans generally have, which is obviously a very nice thing to think happened. But obviously is also not at all. You know, does not at all capture right. uh, the scale.
1: And, you know, we we bring it back to this fight over Toni Morrison's novel, um, Mm -hmm. how it's inflaming the Virginia governor race. One of the things that you point out in your Washington Post column is that, hey, you were assigned beloved in high school. You read it. Were you traumatized? Did you have bad dreams, honey? Tell me all about your experience. Please. Did it did, did it keep you from being the man that you think you were created to be? I mean, did you have to go to therapy? Give me the scoop, uh, Philip.
0: I, I did not. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I mean, seeing that in particular and having had that experience in high school, like no one blinked. I mean, yeah, it was a tough book, like and there's a lot of challenging stuff in it, right? I mean that's that's why you read it. Um, but no, I mean, there's no point in time where I went to my mommy and said, Hey, this makes me, you know, this makes it so I can't sleep at night. And I'm not trying to disparage someone who, who finds the stuff that chilling, but I think the question is like, how are you so isolated in your life? <laughs> you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to judge this guy, but no, is is a long story short. My teacher understood that we were old enough to be able to handle it. And we, we handled it.
1: And, you know, someone told me once if black kids are old enough to experience racism, white kids ought to be old enough to learn, read about it and understand what their peer group is going through.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't speak to that since, I, since I'm white, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard the same thing. And, and I think that, uh, you know, there are a lot of ways in which we do not, you know, I look, I have little kids, I have a four year old and a two year old. and I, you know one of the things that I don't know and I don't know how to start having a conversation with my kids what time is appropriate to do so, but it's something I'm cognizant of, like you know that we mm-hmm. that there needs to be conversation about you know what how what racial differences exist in the United States and you know the the history of it when they get old enough and and you know it's it's tricky for people who weren't raised in a place where there was a a concrete way to have these discussions, which I don't think any of us was
1: yeah and I just appreciate um, you continuing the discussion and putting it out there in your column and forcing people to think um, and letting them know uh, I think you very delete when you say hey I was assigned beloved in high school I read it and I'm now a correspondent for the Washington Post make of that what you will which means you weren't traumatized this is what I made of it you were not traumatized so much so that you know it kept you from doing uh, the work that you needed to do and you know you go back to you know my, my kids you know I have to have the talk with my kids about how to deal with police and I have to talk to them about racism and how they are going to be treated differently and how we still expect them to do their best. Um, you know, I'm not going to be at a school board meeting, um, you know, expecting the, the, the teachers and, and and these other people to, um, you know, help shape and mold my children. It's my job. And my job is to get him prepared for life. Uh, get all of my children prepared for life and let them know that life is not fair. There are going to be some challenges and give them the tools they need to make the right choices to deal with those challenges, especially with Regarding race, you may go out there and um, because you have your hoodie on and your hands in your pocket just trying to keep warm, um, you may look like a suspect to somebody and they may approach you. So this is what we do. We don't wear hoodies and we don't keep our hands in our pockets. If it's cold and we live in Minnesota, you put some gloves on or you put a cap on your head. Uh, And those are things that they have to deal with. And we don't think, oh, well, because they have to deal with it, they're traumatized. They learn how to work. They learn how to cope because this is their reality. And so you know, when I hear people, you know, the, these parents, for me, with the false outrage at school board meetings talking about um, Beloved and, and and all these other you know things and, and they don't want this book and they don't want that book and, and, you know, speakers who, you know, were coming to talk about their books at school um, down in Texas who were now being uninvited. You know, it's just stop clutching your pearls when my son is ducking bullets from the police please stop you know please stop if anybody ought to be clutching pearls it ought to be every black mother in this country because of the things that our children have to go through you know it's it's so um, heart heartening Philip, because you know my son makes good grades he makes A's and B's he's a good global citizen and I have to sit down and tell him no matter how good you are um, some people are not going to think the best of you just based on the color of your skin, you know, so to have somebody tell me, well, because of something my child read in a book, now they think that they are um, less than, or they think they're wicked or evil, and, and I don't want them to have to read that book because it's going to make them feel bad, well, how do you think it makes my son feel bad, that he knows that he can make A's and B's and do everything right, but because he has a hoodie on, he's a suspect, woman, sit down, please, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> that's why I'm at with it, Philip. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, the, the only
0: thing I would add to that is I think part of this discussion, too, is that my kids, my kids who are white, need to hear what happens, what you're worried about for your kids. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's really the issue for a lot of these parents is they don't want their kids to understand how there are different ways in which people experience the world that's that's what the, the the thing that they are opposing to is they don't want their white kids to have to hear that your kids have to experience life differently than they do right they they don't want to acknowledge that that is even possible uh, and so that's a lot of what this debate actually comes down to
1: Yeah, that's it. That's it right there. Well, Philip, thank you so much for being with me. I uh, appreciate the the discussion. I appreciate the column and how candid you were. I I can't even imagine what your inbox looks like. Oh, my God. You need an assistant, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) I am sure. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate your time. And you're going to have to send me your address because i got to send you some baby books. You know i got these baby books over here, these autism children's books I'm going to have to send you.
0: Oh, absolutely. Sure.
1: All right. Good. Take care of those kids.
0: Sure. Will do. Thank you. Man. Tune in each week as Reg Clark shows you how to demand and implement diversity and inclusion at your job. To hear more, check out his previous shows on ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com.